Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And man, nine years. It is the nine-year anniversary of the John of All Trades podcast. It was March 18th, 2014, that I got this show officially underway with three episodes. That feels at once both like a lifetime ago and like it just happened. It's hard to reconcile in my mind, and here's why. When I started this show... Ultimately, my goal was to become a professional podcaster. It took probably more years than I thought it would, but I have achieved that. I am a professional podcaster. And all I can say is thank you. It's because of you out there listening. If you've spent any time with my show whatsoever, if you've ever shared an episode on Facebook, if you've ever liked a status, if you've ever downloaded the show, if you've ever told a friend about it, left me a rating, left me a review. It's because of the success of this show. Now, granted, I give myself a little credit here because I have a tireless work ethic. I've hustled this show and I've worked to make it into something that actually matters, adds value and contributes to society. I've done my best to do that and I'm proud of what I've created. But ultimately, I could do that all by myself. And if no one's out there listening, none of that matters. And so I want to start this nine-year anniversary on a note of gratitude, and that is gratitude for you, the listener out there listening. Thank you. My gift to you is my interview with Vic Lombardi that's coming up just here in a couple of minutes after I get through this introduction. He is someone that I am now privileged to work with through Mile High Life. I produce his show, Vic Lombardi's Denver, which I think is phenomenal. It's so fun to work on. Vic is just a great guy, just a genuine spirit very curious about people, a champion of Denver, and it's been a pleasure to hook up with him on this creative endeavor. And it's interesting. I bring this up in the episode, but doing Vic Lombardi's Denver, I'm like, is there even a lane for John of all trades anymore? Now, granted, I think there is. I think this show still has value and it's not going away, but it's not going to be what it once was either. Because here's the deal. Vic Lombardi's Denver, John of all trades, My show, Happy Friday, that is kind of where my other focus is right now because that's a weekly show. It requires a lot of writing, a lot of collaboration. It's a ton of work. It's a fantastic show, and I love it, but my God, it's a lot of work. That is but three of nine shows that I'm producing with potentially a 10th one coming down the pike here. So when I say I have become a professional podcaster, I'm not kidding. My days are consumed with thinking about podcasting in all its forms. Whether I'm recording an interview, whether I'm producing an episode, whether I'm putting clips together or writing episode descriptions or coordinating with clients, whatever it is, it's a ton of work. John of All Trades has done what I have wanted it to do. It is an absolute dream come true. And I'm going to go into more of this next week when I write a blog post about it. I don't want to bore you with all this now, but I figure I owe you an explanation for why I'm not around much. It's been more than a month since I did an episode. I did that one with Kip Wilson uh, from Stoned Appetite. It was a phenomenal show. I enjoyed that. I love putting together these shows. I simply don't have the bandwidth that I used to. So this show is going to be around, just not around as frequently as it once was. Now then, 
let's get to where we need to get to. And that's episode 346 with Vic Lombardi. Vic Lombardi has been a fixture in Denver pretty much his entire life. He's had other stops along the way, but he started in Denver. He ultimately is here in Denver. He's a Denver lifer. I adore Vic. We talk about his career. We talk about sports. We talk about if he gets burned out talking about sports. We talk about some of his insecurities. Vic is very candid with me, very open. I've worked to establish trust with Vic. Shows only work if you trust who you're working with. And I adore Vic. I adore his work. It's a pleasure to feature him here. I chose to make him the ninth anniversary show for a reason. And you'll hear it here momentarily. But on this anniversary, I do have to pay some love to Zach Kanaus and his team at 4 Degrees Digital. It's funny. I've been pointing you to their website now forever. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. And now that is no longer their website. They're fourdegreesdigital.com, the number four, D-E-G-R-E-E-S, digital.com. I cannot do that. That is a rough website for me to do after nine years of saying their website a very specific way. But they've been with me from the start. They've been my partner. They've been my tech support. It's been my absolute pleasure to feature their products here because it has allowed me to create this show and not worry about anything on the technical side. So I adore them. Thank you, Zach, for being with me for these nine years. And I look forward to more partnerships down the road. Now, let's get to this week's show. Vic Lombardi, Denver Institution. You hear him on 92.5 FM. You see him on Altitude covering the pregame, the postgame, the halftime, sometimes sideline reporter for the Nuggets. He's the host of Vic Lombardi's Denver, which I produce. And he's the guest on episode 346, the nine-year anniversary of the John of All Trades podcast. And it starts right now. So you have your show every morning, mm-hmm. 7 to 10. Nuggets game starts tonight at 8? Yes. Because it's on ESPN and Altitude, yes. right? Okay. That is a long day, man. Yeah, it is. How, how do you stay up? I don't know. <laughs> Well, you see what I'm drinking? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I poured you some coffee, yeah. Poured me a coffee, <laughs> and this is uh, part of what I do. Uh, if I don't drink three or four of these a day, I don't exist. Yeah. I knew when I got into morning radio, John, because a lot of people have told me this, that morning radio will take five to ten years off your life. I believe it. And I went in knowing that. So sort of like football players, right? When football players, oh, man, it's such a crazy sport. Well, professional football players, I think, go in knowing this sport's going to take some time off your life. Now, in no way am I trying to equate what I do to professional sure. football. But waking up every morning the way some people have to that early, mm-hmm. it takes time off your life. Well, I'm telling you. Vic, you're not only getting up early. You're staying up late, too. Yes. You're burning the candle yeah. at both ends yeah. here, man. Yeah. Nap times are important. Okay. So do you catch a midday nap? Is that? I will try on occasion, especially after going to eat at Mama Lombardi's house and all those calories <laughs> and spaghetti and bread. And wine. Heavy carbs. Yes, exactly right. Go straight to bed for about uh, 20 minutes to an hour. So, uh, no, I, I do that as much as I can. You know you know when I catch up on my sleep in the off-season? <laughs> I sleep a lot in the off-season. How, how long have you been doing the morning grind now? Uh, this is my 10th year. Jesus God. Man. Yeah, I did it at the fan, uh-huh. and then I went to Altitude. So it's my 10th year. No, actually more than that, because I did it with Gary Miller before. Maybe I'm, I'm into 10 or 15 years. Gary Miller, funny story. Yeah. His daughter is a year older than I am, and we were in Bell Middle School Improv together. Which one, Jana? Jana, yeah. 
Are you serious? Yeah, I know, Jana. Oh, my I, goodness. I, West Side Pride right there. <laughs> Golden High School, baby. That's wow. Where. Yeah, she was really into that stuff. Now they mm-hmm. live happily in Santa Barbara, California. I didn't know that. And that's where Gary retired to. When Gary retired, he just said, forget media altogether. I'm going to go live with my daughter, or near my daughter at least, and yeah, just yeah. hang out here. Good for him, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Gary Miller used to have that show on News 4 at like 1030 on uh-huh. Sundays. Yeah. Um, and that's where I first got exposed to Adam Schefter, mm-hmm. too. Sports Extra. Yeah, yeah. I love that show. Yep. That yep. was a great yep. show. I grew up with Sports Extra and all those shows. Yeah. That's when people watched local news religiously, <laughs> when you had a reason to watch because sure. you didn't know what the outcomes were, and now you have them in your hand. Yeah. So this is Vic Lombardi, Altitude Sports, formerly of News 4. Denver media personality, also the host of Vic Lombardi's Denver, which, full disclosure, I am the producer of. So it's You are? <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy sitting next to you, mm. just trying not to laugh too loud, because you're getting great shit out of people. It's fun. Yeah. It is fun. It's a good and, show. And I appreciate you. I, can't, I could not do this without you, John. I knew nothing about the making of podcasts or any of this business mm. until you came along, so I really do appreciate it. You learn a lot from others, and I've learned a lot from you. Oh, thank you. That's incredibly flattering. This is the nine-year anniversary of this show, and the reason I wanted to have you on, for a couple of reasons. One, we, we got introduced by Nate Lundy, and I, mm-hmm. we hit it off pretty quickly. Sure. Like we, we have similar working style, right vibe. We're interested in kind of the same stuff. Both Denver natives, Denver lifers, too. Very few Denver natives around yeah. anymore. <clears throat> so as I was sitting there listening to you interview Wendy Curtis, which as of this recording is the most recent episode that, that went up. By the mm-hmm. time this airs, uh, the one with Reggie Rivers will be up, okay. so, which was also a good yeah. one. That, you guys are great friends, yeah. and that just translates to good radio. As I'm listening to you interview Wendy, I remember thinking, I'm like, I don't know that there's a lane for John of All Trades anymore. It what was, do you mean by that? It was a weird feeling because Wendy had been on my list for a long, long time uh-huh. to try and be on my show. But I didn't have the name recognition. She's not going to waste her time with me, even though like my show's been around for a long time, right? Sure. Won Western Best of Denver in 2017. Yes. But you were able to get in there and talk to her because you're Vic Lombardi. People- I don't know what that means, to be totally blunt with you. Okay, but people know you. Yeah. When, I, when I'm pitching guests to yeah. be on your show, like Mayor Hancock, for instance, sure. it's not a tough sell, right? It's a little bit further a walk uphill for someone like me. Yeah. Because I, you know, I don't have the name recognition, and I don't come from, say, you mentioned when people actually watch local news. Sure. Right? And so for me, I have to establish credibility in a different way where yeah. you have some of that baked in. Yeah. And so you're like, she starts talking about her eating disorder roughly eight minutes into this thing. Yeah. Like very, very quickly. And you're getting to a very human place with Wendy in a way that I haven't heard her in interviews do before. Yeah, I thought that was really revealing for her to go there. Yeah. And, and, and she did so almost unsolicited. Yeah, and, and like because it was a level of comfort that, yeah. you, that she had with you, and, and you have that effect on people. And so I go, Vic is doing my show, or the show that I aspire to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> with, a, with a less fraught walk uphill. Hmm. And I go, that's fascinating. And well, the fact I've that I get to benefit, work on it. John, I've had the benefit of 20 years of a, of a platform uh, here in Denver, when you do, you know, media. That's exactly my point. Where exactly right when you have that springboard, yeah, it's something that's hard to find anymore because the the springboard isn't the same anymore. Local television today, to be totally honest, is not what it was twenty years ago, yeah. twenty thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. That was the, the the halcyon days where the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, when people had to watch, and now they don't have to watch anymore. No, 
And and th- and I took advantage of, the, of that springboard, to be honest. And so I appreciate that. And I think also uh, someone like Wendy and others might be revealing to me because I'm very non-threatening as a small man. <laughs> I'm such a small, docile creature. You were talking about that on your radio show this morning. <laughs> uh, and I think it was Moser advocating you get those Kiss platform mm-hmm, shoes. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, man. We're like the same height. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm like 5'9". Yeah. Right? It's, that's about what you are. Sure. 5'9". Right? Yeah. Okay. So that's normal. But, right? we, but, but, you, but you hang out with NBA players. I live in a, in a masculine, <laughs> very masculine, toxic, athletic realm where if you're not big and bold, you're nothing. And that's just the way it is. Because, <laughs> I mean, Marty's tall, right? Yes. Marty's about 6'2". Everybody's tall. And, okay. you know, I have to interview the likes of Nikola Jokic, who's seven foot tall. I did an interview with him All-Star Weekend. Yeah. And I sat on one side of the couch. And the way it was shot, I was farther away in the angle. It made me look like he was a ventriloquist and I was his puppet. <laughs> like in that movie Chicago. Yes. It made me look like that. And, and I can't hide from that, but that's the life I lead in this business, right? You're, sure. I, I live and work in the sports business where I'm going to be tiny. If I worked in um, I worked in Silicon Valley, I'd be just a normal dude. Yeah. If you worked in China, yeah. I'd be, be enormous. Giant. Yes. It's all about context, man. Like It's, uh, it's wild. Mm-hmm. When when we started Vic Lombardi's Denver, Nate pitched you the idea, and you said, yeah, that sounds fantastic. Given that you're on the radio pretty much every day, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it five days a week? Yes. Three hours a day? Yes. That's a lot of takes to have, man. Yeah. Does it ever burn you out? Do you ever wish you couldn't, you, like you didn't have to have a take? When I did radio uh, by myself at times, when it was the Vic Lombardi show and I had just one or two co-hosts, it was a lot harder because you have to come up with the material and you have to be really, really... You got a monologue. Uh, exactly it. right, and yeah. you know you've done it before. I've oh, heard you. Yeah, you heard me on KOA. You're very good at it. Thank you. And it's not easy. Those no. who do shows by themselves, let me tell you something. That's a completely different job than what I do now. What I do now is it's a three person show, and I have no idea what's coming out of my mouth. To be honest with you, John, it's <laughs> it's three hours of uh, conjecture, speculation, opinion. Now. There's a lot of work done behind the scenes to gather that opinion, right? Yeah, sure. People think, oh, what do you do? You know, you spend a lot of time online and talking to people. And I think the trait that's lost most in today's game is talking to people. Mm -hmm. Like, the best stories I ever get are from face-to-face conversations with athletes, coaches, GMs. It's not stuff you read. It's stuff you talk about. Interesting. And I don't think enough people in our business are doing that anymore. They're just gathering facts and opinion and forming their own. Well, what's the value of that opinion if you don't get it from the – it doesn't have to be the source, but for someone that's actually spending the time to tell you about it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me because – you're not a hot taker to me, Vic. Like, they're, they're, they're hot take artists out mm-hmm. there, right? Just basically sure. doing everything for the take. And I'll, I'll give you an example of this. On your Twitter page, you shared uh, a conversation you had with Kendrick Perkins. Yes. About Nikola Jokic. Yes. <clears throat> and then he goes on national TV and says something that's contradictory to that, and you point it out. Yeah, I just said, hey, that's not what he told me a week earlier. Right, and here's, here's the receipt, yeah. right? Here's the footage. But Perk seemed to take issue with that. Yeah. That was weird. But if you turn on ESPN, there's probably a 75% chance you're going to see Kendrick Perkins yeah. on there. Yeah. I wonder... You know, it's weird. I, I'm not a gotcha guy. No. I don't want to... No. Go- I, it's not what I try to do. In fact, when I released that that interview, I just wanted to show, hey, no, don't, don't jump all over Perk because he does have value for Joker. He actually told me the value we had a week yeah, earlier. Yeah. It was the intent that... 
maybe don't believe everything you hear from him right mm-hmm. now. I think he's just sort of hyperbolizing a bit. Right. Um, there is something that he values in Nikola Jokic. Here it is, proof. Sure. He took it as, well, look at you trying to expose me. I wasn't really trying to expose you. I was just trying to show you had a different side. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to ask, so I, I spend a lot of time with your voice and my earbuds because I, mm. I record your shows and then I edit them. So I listen to every episode twice. I'm going to ask you a Vic Lombardi style question. Shoot. <laughs> you indulge the trolls and the contrarians and the haters on Twitter a little bit more than others. Why? I like a good fight. I, I don't like to be had. I think that stems, to be totally honest with you, it stems from my Italian roots mm-hmm. and from my competitive sports roots. When I'm on a basketball court, I play basketball a lot. Mm-hmm. And people start chirping. <laughs> oh, I chirp right back. Now, I chirp back to people that I know could squash me in a New York minute. Yeah. But it's not the point. It's the act of chirping. It's like, I'm not going to let you get the best of me. Is it smart? No. <laughs> but sometimes I fashion myself as a better chirper. So a lot of times I'll get in somebody's head mm. knowing that I will impact their game more than they'll impact my game or lack thereof. You know, it's, it's funny because you, you hear that there are some guys in the league you can play inside their head. Sure. Right? Um, I, I remember something awful that Michael Jordan said to Muggsy Bogues that Muggsy probably wasn't the same after that. Exactly. You could end careers. <clears throat> yeah. Do you remember what Shannon Sharp did, said to Derek Thomas of the Kansas City Chiefs during a Monday night game? Oh. It, 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 it ruined the game for Derek Thomas. What did so, he say? Oh, he said something that was pretty um, personal uh, about his wife. Oh, Jesus. And it was just trash talk. Now, I don't get that personal. Yeah, I don't yeah. do that. When it comes to trolls on Twitter, what I don't like is to be miscast. And, and I don't like unfair things. So if I feel like somebody is, is saying something, you, you don't have to like me. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you don't like me. I, I, I really don't care. Yeah. But if you say something that I didn't say mm. or perhaps something out of context, I will correct you. And I will do so with a tone that you may not like. Yeah, interesting. See, I'm not a trash talker. Sure. And the reason is I can't be playful with it. Uh, like, if, if we're... So we hold a beer pong tournament every summer. Okay. And it's fun. I will go for the jugular. I, I'm, not, I'm not good at, at play fighting like this. You'll go this. from zero to 100 real <laughs> yeah, quick. And I, yeah, and I'll unfun it for everyone. Sure. Right? I don't have that gear. <laughs> I prefer to be more the silent dagger. Sure. Um, I, I, I lead with play. And yeah. so people will talk to me. I tune it all out, and I just drain cup after cup after cup. Nice. And it frustrates the hell out of people. Nice. But if I'm talking, then I'm losing. Yeah. So that's, that's where my game differs a little well, bit. Well, you see, you're more focused. It, yeah, but it, you can get... Get in there, yeah. and and the the people who are really good will get in there, yeah. and then I'm off. Yeah, like it. The the great ones will do that. And I'm I'm just talking about driveway beer pong here. Sure, but you can do that with anything. If you could be playing around the world on the playground, so the fact that you like that is interesting to me, and I think that makes you well suited for a career in media. Well, I think again, uh, I'm a little thin skinned than I like. Too thin skinned. Really, I wish I had thicker skin. I, don't I wouldn't like, guess that about you. Well, when I say thin-skinned, I don't like people saying things that I know are false. Mm-hmm. I don't like like the perception getting around. Oh. That's what I mean I'm thin-skinned. Sure. People would say, oh, let it go. You know? No, I'm not going to let it go. Mm. Which is when I fight people ad nauseum on Twitter, it's I'm not fighting them because I want them to like me. <laughs> I'm fighting them because... You're wrong on this subject, and I want you to know why mm. you're wrong on this subject. Yeah, but when it's a Twitter egg with, like, 20 followers, yeah. what's the difference, man? I think it's a larger – when I fight – you know, I don't really pay attention to how many followers they have. I'm not one of those guys, oh, I'm not going to acknowledge you because you don't have any followers. I don't care. Okay. Everybody has a voice, you know? I don't care if you're a guy that has a 1,000 or 
20,000 or two. If, you, if your voice is used to say something that I don't believe in, then I'm going to fight you on it. Mm. This is where you and I differ because I, I tune all that Do out. Do you really? I, yeah. I wish I, I had that ability. Yeah, I, I, I don't waste my time. I find it's beneath, beneath mm-hmm. my effort. And so I, I was wondering, like, why you indulge? Because I'm like, man, Vic, like, stay above the fray with some yeah. of these freaks because they're not worth your time. No, you're exactly right. I wish if there's one vice I have, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's streaming in those waters. And, I, and I, <clears throat> maybe there's a missing – because, I, you know, competitive sports has been part of my life for so long. Maybe that's my competitive mm. adrenaline rush that I need. Yeah, I get it. Like, when you were a kid, did you have your eye on a career in media – since I was 12 years old. Really? Um, I, I grew up in North Denver, and I grew up the son of immigrant parents, did not speak English very well until I was eight, nine years old. And my parents- um, Were you born here, or were you born- I was born here. Okay. But I lived the first three years of my life in Italy, because my mom would go back every summer, so okay. I'd go back. Wow. So I didn't speak English at all Jeez. when I got to first grade, at all. And uh, So you were Rita, in like ESL classes? Uh, Sister Rita at uh, Holy Family Grade School- Taught me and my cousins Joe and Ralph how to speak English. Wow! Um, so, and, and to be honest, you know my greatest English teachers—they were my coaches. Oh, which is why I knew every cuss word. <laughs> hey, jag off! That's what I thought my name was for a good twenty twenty days. Uh, the, Times the, were a little different yeah, back exactly then. Too. Right? They said things to you that were. But I'll never forget my my mom. She worked as a cafeteria lady for different schools, and one day we were at Horace Mann which is a school in North Denver. I know Horace, man. Yeah. yeah. And I was, at the time, five or six years old. I think I was five. And I was with my mom because she'd take me to work. Mm-hmm. And I was watching these kids play football with pads and everything. <laughs> and I said, Ma, I want to do this. Well, luck has it. The, the coaches of one of those teams was a Lombardi, a cousin of ours, Louis Lombardi, and his brother, Dominic Lombardi. And I was too young for the team. Mm-hmm. But they jimmied my... My, my <laughs> credentials, and I played. They let me play on Were the team. Were you small? I was tiny. I've always been small. <laughs> okay. But I remember the first, first play of the game, I went the wrong way on a kickoff. <laughs> I did dumb stuff. But anyway, I fell in love with sports on yeah. that day. And that's what, that's what I said. I want sports to be a part of my life. Now, my mom and dad didn't know what sports was or why it existed. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew I was headed in that direction. Interesting. When I grew up, my, both my parents are from Chicago. So I grew up with a lot of Chicago sports mythology. My dad's mm-hmm. hero is Ernie Banks. Mm-hmm. And so my first love growing up was baseball. It was baseball and pro wrestling, which is sports adjacent, right? It's very athletic sure. and very, you know, um, but it, it's, it's obviously a performance. Yeah. Baseball was my first love. And when I, it, every kid turns a corner, if you're going to be a sports fan, where you have that first team or that first set of guys. Sure. Right? So my first was the 1989 Chicago Cubs. Interesting. So Ryan, Andre Dawson. Andre Dawson, Ryan Sandberg, mm-hmm. Mark Grace, Greg Maddox. Incredible team. And to this day, I hate the San Francisco Giants for stomping yeah. them in the NLCS sure. that year. I hate Will Clark with a burning passion. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of people hate Will Clark for a lot of reasons. <laughs> Good. We're, we're, I'm in great company then. With that in mind, what was your first team or your first set of guys? 1977 Denver Broncos. Okay. Crush for a lot of people that grew up in Denver in the 70s. My parents moved here in 71. Yeah. And so they got season tickets to the Broncos, and they were ass before that. Yeah. 77, my dad still talks about that team. My first, Randy Gratishar. And, exactly right. Yeah. My first professional sports game was my friend Gino Amato and the Amato family. They took me to a Broncos game, mm. and I was, I was hooked, and um, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And that, that 77 team, it was a religious moment for me. 
the city of Denver was uh, overwhelmed by um, Orange Crush. And I remember at, at Holy Family Grade School, we had to wear orange yeah. on, 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 on the weeks they played. On the Friday before the game, we had to wear orange. And I'm colorblind, John. Yeah. I'm colorblind. So I remember. We were filming a thing, and I told you my shoes were turquoise. You got so mad at me. Freaked me out, like, what turquoise was. Like, <laughs> when people get fancy with colors, I'm like, dude, I don't know what the hell turquoise is. Okay, this this is navy blue. I don't know what color shirt is under that. Uh, it's it's a Nordiques jersey, so it's like powder blue. It's like baby blue. Yeah, you could tell me anything, and I wouldn't know. <laughs> and then it's it's red. Like, okay. the inside here is You're red. You're talking to me like I'm three years old now. But... <laughs> Well, you're asking me what color my shirt I know, is, man. I know, but I get it. That's what a colorblind person does, so I'll never forget you, being... You, you were telling me you didn't know what color bread was. And I, and I remember... Bread, bread's one of those weird... I'm telling you, if you look at a loaf of bread, people have a different way to identify the color. I have no idea what color that is. That one, if if you suddenly were restored with color in your vision... Sure. Bread would be underwhelming, I think. Really? Yeah. yeah. Bread's not... Scintle, it's, it's not magical? No, it's... it's Kind of brown, kind of white. It's in that gray scale, sort of. Yeah. It's not super dynamic. It's not like turquoise or burgundy or one of these other wild mythical colors. Do, do you know how many colorblind stories I have from a kid growing up? <laughs> I can't because, only imagine. So, so the orange thing at school, oh, sure, yeah. you had to wear that. And then when I went to Holy Family High School, it was purple and gold. Those are our colors. Oh, Purple wow. and gold. Bold colors. Again. So I would, stro- I would show up with the, the tube socks. That were blue and gold, blue and and I thought that was purple. Uh-huh. So I'd be at a, at a basketball game, and my teammates would be like, "What are you doing?" I go, "What are you talking about? Yeah, you, you're wearing blue." I go, "What?" And it would happen all the time. Wow. And I was really, I had anxiety over it. It sure. was really freaking me out because you know if you weren't in uniform and you weren't wearing the right colors, then look out. So and that, and that that's chased me my entire life. But the Orange Crush teams, yeah. going back to your question, that's when. To me, sports became more than just a hobby. It became life. How old were you then? I was seven years old when they first started winning, eight years old when they won that Super or went to the Super Bowl. Okay. And then, um, and that's when I got into football. Okay. So I was eight years old when that Cubs team was 80, mm. 1989. And it funny happens around that time. Yeah. It's like right around then. And then, you know, the Broncos were in the Super Bowl a bunch when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. right? They, they got blown out by the Giants. Sure. And then by the Redskins. Yeah. The first time I was really aware of it was when they ran into that juggernaut 49ers team. <clears throat> yeah. And they lost 55 to 10. And you saw Tony Lilly chasing everybody around the field. Yeah. I, I remember like my, my favorite players back then became like Dennis Smith uh-huh. and Steve Atwater. Yeah. I, I just, I love the hard hitting safeties and sure. different NFL now. Yeah, it is. But those teams, though, you, you were like a lot of Broncos fans. You get beat up so many times in the championship game. And I'm like, a Cub fan, yeah, too. Yeah. So you're like, God. I don't even want to go back anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah. It was embarrassing, right? You're right. I hated it. It was, but, but think about that. You're that good to get there. Mm-hmm. Year. You're that good to win the AFC, like the Bills in the early 19... Four in a row, right? Won, that, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. No, that's wild. And then to lose four Super Bowls? That was insane. Yep. Totally agree. I, I, mean, used, I used to bet with classmates, and I'd bet on the Bills just because I wanted to, someone to have a bet with. And, and that's yeah. what I hate about pro sports today. People might view those Buffalo Bills with Jim Kelly... And, uh, and those Reed. teams as losers. They're not losers. No way. No. They were one win away from the ultimate four years in a row. Do you know how hard that is? Yeah. That's not a loser. That's a that's a dynasty in the AFC is how I would call it. Uh, that's a good way of putting it. And it's got to be rough if you're Scott Norwood because that was the closest exactly one. Right. Exactly so. right. So, I mean, we, we could – this could be an episode of Let's Remember Some Guys with <laughs> Vic and John. Um, but at what point did you start to pursue – 
actual broad. And did you know you wanted to do TV? Was it always TV for you? Were you doing like fake TV shows? And um, uh, I I was twelve years old, and I still have a videotape at home. In fact, the Channel Four when I got to Channel Four, they used it for a, a commercial spot. I was at home, and I used to pretend I was a Channel Four sportscaster. Channel Four specifically, Channel 4, specifically Channel Four. Wow, why? why? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. But I sat there, and I used to do these these fake sports casts about uh, the Broncos and the Nuggets. But when I was in high school, everything changed. My eighth grade year, I had a report card, and on that report card, I had three Fs, a D, and I think one A was in gym. My report card was awful, mm-hmm. and I didn't care about school. All I cared about was sports, playing football, basketball. That's all I cared about. Sure. And I remember having a conversation because I was going to go to Holy Family High School. And some and one of the coaches there said, hey, I don't know if you're going to get into Holy Family High School with these grades. I go, what are you talking about? you got to have good grades to get in. And he said, and if you don't have good grades to get in, you can't play sports here. I go, really? <laughs> and that's when it clicked. Yeah. And from that day forward, John, from that day forward, after those grades, I never got below an A again. Never below an never A. Never below an A again. Never wow. once got below an A in high school because every time I got – Everything, if, if it got rough, I thought about sports. Uh, sports was my driver. Wow. Uh, see, for me, school made sense to me. I, like, I, I have this philosophy that you can be smart and not good at school. And you can be good at school and not necessarily all that smart. Yes. I fancy myself a smart guy, by the way. The cat's going to come say hello okay. next to you. That's Jax. He's uh, almost 19 years old. Wow. Yeah, he's old, man. My age. <laughs> but... I, I fancy myself a smart guy, but I was I also understood the rhythms of school immediately. Yeah. Like I got it and made sense to me. I knew sure. where the cracks were, I knew how to work the system. So I was like a three five, three six mm-hmm. because there were some things I'm like, yeah, I don't really care about this. Yeah. So I, I'll do well enough to get a B in it. But like I, I was like an alligator in which you know when when an alligator knows it's caught, it yeah. doesn't waste any energy. It just un- until until it knows it can make an escape, gotcha. then it'll move. That's me. Like, I, I know where and how to, to spend the energy that I yeah. need to. Yeah, I was the opposite. I, I worked as hard as I could, mm. as hard as I could, because I wanted those awards, and the awards are the grades. Yeah, okay. And I shot for that. But I wasn't that smart. And you know when I found out I wasn't that smart? Hmm. When I took the SAT. Oh, geez, okay. Because the SAT is the ultimate measuring stick, right? So you think you're smart. Well, as a sports guy, I could see why you'd say that. I don't necessarily agree. Well, that's but, why it's not as important today. But, but it's numerical. Then, back like, then, if you wanted to get in, like I wanted to get in Notre Dame, I didn't get in my first year. Oh, I had to go okay. to CU my first year. So back then, it was the barometer that we used to get sure. in. So I, I, I had straight A's, mm-hmm. I, and I thought, I'm going to kill this. I took the SAT, and I sucked. I was awful. It was a terrible, terrible result. And I took it a day after we lost in the uh, districts in basketball, so I blame that. And that's when, I, that's when it hit me. I'm really not that smart, John. I'm really not, but huh. I have to work harder than most. See, I, <sighs> calling yourself not smart, I think, is a gross over, like, overgeneralization. Well, I mean something different by that. When I say I'm not smart, I mean I'm not, you know, I'm not in that realm where I can understand necessarily what a standardized test is supposed to get across, <laughs> sure. right? I didn't grow up speaking the language. So I always said That's tough. In, 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 that, in that test, when you do reading comprehension mm-hmm. and, and there are certain phrases, I don't know what the hell those phrases are. I never used those as a kid. Interesting. Um, I, I had a teacher, and my, my dad is a phenomenal writer, but I, I had teachers early on tell me I was a good writer. And if you tell a kid that they're good at something, yeah. like they tend to live up to that. Sure. Um, we tell our kids, like, we like how hard they work. Yeah. Because if you tell a kid they're smart, they tend to get lazy. Yeah. Right? And so I had a little bit of laziness baked in because I understood how it worked. Yeah. 
which I had to overcome, and I did that when I moved to Texas because the Texas uh, high school system was a little bit more rigorous than it was here. Really? Uh, yeah, I was taking AP classes, and um, I had homework, like a lot of homework for the first time. Because we're dumb here. That's just bottom line. <laughs> we're pretty dumb. Um, that's the altitude. Yeah. You know, you're just yeah. closer to the sun. Thanks and, in. <clears throat> but uh, I, I had to, like, learn work ethic. So I had the opposite problem. Interesting. Because I could skate by on some intelligence and some easy charm. Yeah. And so that made me a little bit lazy, and I had to tighten up my work ethic. And once I did that, then then you become unstoppable. I've always been insecure about my intelligence. I've always thought I was hmm. dumber than people thought. And, and even when I went to Notre Dame, I got in after the second time around. I always had to work harder, and wow. I always thought, God, I shouldn't be here. I had some serious imposter syndrome going. Oh, God. well, Jesus, me too. Um, I, I've always had that. Sure. Like, and, it, you know, that's natural. When you do what we do, though, yeah. like you, you almost have to have uh, a very high level of, of self-regard. Right, and yeah. it, it it borders on mild sociopathy because yeah. you have to be almost arrogant enough to be like, I am compelling enough for someone to want to listen or watch me. Sure, on this platform that reaches a ton of people, yeah. that there has to be a very very high level of self regard there, and because you have to, if you don't have that, you have to manufacture it. That can lead to some imposter syndrome. You know the 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 irony. I'm 53 years old. I've done a lot in this in this uh, business. The irony of my career is this: when I first got into it, and I was starting to send tapes around, and I wanted to be a sportscaster, I was always told, "You got to do it this way." You know, it was the CNN model. <laughs> you got to do it speak, this way. Okay. You have to speak this way. You have to speak with this tone. You have to speak with this dialect. You have to sound like you're a broadcaster. That's the way it is. And these are the people we want. Well, fast forward now, 30 years later, my versatility and diversity, my background is the best thing I've got. Yes. I'm not like everybody else. No, you're not off the assembly line. Exactly right. And back then, it was like, oh my God, I have to homogenize myself. I have to really do everything I can. I need to be milquetoast because that's what they want. Far from it. Far from it. And that's the beauty of our country and our business, to be honest with you. It's the exact opposite of what people like different. I think they like it. No, I agree. I think everyone's realized that it doesn't have to be this way just because it has been this way forever. I, I remember Dan Patrick talking about that. I heard him on a podcast, and he started at CNN back when they were just doing headline sports. Sure. And, you know, it's like you have to do this way. And then he got to Sports Center, and he and Keith found this whole rhythm, uh-huh. and they invented almost a whole new genre yeah. of telling stories with sports. I, I think about the interview you did with Kathy, where at the end of a sports cast, if you had a minute cut from you, yeah. you're like, uh, you would say something like, and I had more for you, but apparently Ed had to tell exactly you something. Right. About, yeah. What was the line? I, I used to always do this when weather took my time. Um, <laughs> I, I had a lot more good stuff in the sports uh, day-to-day, but Ed had to give you the dew point for two minutes straight. So. <laughs> That's yeah, we used to have fun with that. I mean, there's a there's a natural born fun rivalry between weather and sports because oh, they yeah. always took our time. One hundred percent, love them all though. <laughs> I remember when Ron Zapolo left Nine News to go start at Upstart Fox. Yeah, and I heard him interviewed, and he said, "When you're the sports guy, everyone wants to talk to you about sports. Yes, because you have access, you have information, you." have a, a vocabulary for it that exceeds most common people. Mm-hmm. But he said, I'm looking forward to being the guy who, you know, I want to ask the question, who won the game, mm-hmm. right? Or what's going on with the Nuggets or whatever. Do you ever get burned out talking about sports? 
A lot. I do. I'm not going to lie. Uh, when I'm doing my radio show, my, my wife's biggest uh, problem with me is that I go into this shell mode. Oh, God, and I, sure. And, I, you know, you go like three hours where I don't want to talk to anybody <laughs> because you're just done. Oh, dude, you're dr- you have an adrenaline dump yeah, after you're on the exactly. radio. All like, you do want to do is sleep. Like, I'll go, to my, I'll go to my parents' house, and my brothers will ask me a, a particular sports question, and sometimes I'll snap back. I got a show every morning, seven to ten. If you want the answer, I did answer that yeah, for you. Uh, but but no, it, it's only natural, right? Yeah. It, most of the time, though, in public, I, I have fun. It's what sure. you do. It is. I don't know the answers to everything. I have an opinion, just like anybody else. Yeah. Uh, the the biggest part I I have a problem in this business is people think because you're in the sports business that your opinion is better than someone else's. It's not. It's just your opinion. My opinion is different than yours. Well, They're all opinions at the end I of the day. I don't know, though, Vic, because you you have access to better information, though. Sure, but it's at the end of the day. like If you ask me, based on my opinion, are the Denver Nuggets going to win the NBA title this mm-hmm. year? All right? uh, and I look at the entire league. My opinion wouldn't change if I were a sportscaster with the Nuggets or if I was sitting at home and my, my, one of my brothers mm-hmm. just a fan. I would have the same opinion. And that opinion would be, damn, I don't know. It's the Nuggets. Anything yeah. can happen. I don't know. That opinion would not change. Yeah. The, the Nuggets, I mean, they, they haven't been there like... And that fear, right? Yeah. You know, for those of us who've been lifelong fans of these teams, too, until you do it, you're always fearful that you can't. That Well, that's true of anything, right? True. You, you need to see it to be it, yeah. almost. Like, you know, you think about when they when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, right? Yeah. yeah. Everyone thought that was impossible until he just did it, and yeah. then, like, a whole wave of people just started doing it. Or you look at the X Games. That happens all the time on the X Games. It's like, well, you can't do a backflip yeah. on a motorcycle. Well, you know, insecurities are part of being a fan, and insecurities <laughs> sure. lead to, to anger. You, you know, the one thing that I hate about sports is when people say a good fan never criticizes his or her oh, team. Oh, God. What are you talking about? <laughs> That, that to me is the dumbest take I've ever heard. What do you mean a good fan never criticizes? A fan is ultimately the critic yeah. because you're good, you're bad. You're bad, you're good. There's waves. There's roller coasters. You can't be good all the time. Right. You can't be on top of that wave all the time. If you want me to be that kind of person, I might as well be a cheerleader. Yes, totally. You know what it reminds me of? Uh, going back to the Cubs because I followed them. It was sometime in the early 2000s where Steve Stone was their color guy, right? Steve yes. Stone, one of the most brilliant color men yeah. who's ever existed. And he was leveling some fair criticism at the team for their play. Yeah. And some of the thin-skinned piss babies in the locker room mm. took exception to him criticizing the team sure. on the team's own network, and he ended up getting fired. Yeah. And I remember thinking, that feels wildly out of bounds for an athlete not to be able to accept criticism of play on the field. Sure. Do you ever get pushback for anything that you say on Altitude or on the pre- and post-game shows when you're, when, when you're fairly yeah. assessing the game? I've never once, I've been in Altitude for seven years, when it comes to evaluating a game or a player, mm-hmm. I've never once been told what to say or how to say it. Okay. Now, I've heard through the grapevine a player may not like something I said. Sure. Or a player may, may say something or, or outline uh, a message via social media. But most of the time, John, if you're fair and you come at it with, in a fair manner, I think they leave you alone. And I think people understand the value. If you don't have credibility, what do you have? Like yeah. I, I told the folks at Altitude when they hired me a long time ago, I said, I hope you let me be me mm-hmm. while I'm here. Because if you try to muzzle, right, then you take away me. Then all you have is you're a ventriloquist. Now. You've got a cipher. Then, exactly right. And, and now the, the very reason you brought me here to be me 
You take that away, and fans will know right away. Yeah. And so you lose that. So allow me to be – and they, they really have. They've never tried to muzzle me in any way. Mm. I've been told at times, hey, might want to take it easy for this reason. Sure. But you, you see my Twitter account. Oh, yeah. I tweet whatever <laughs> the hell I want. Yeah. And I say usually what I want to a limit. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I don't think you've ever said anything out of bounds that I've heard. I interviewed Connor McGahee on this show, your colleague at Altitude, who yeah. was a phenomenal play-by-play guy. He's for the about apps. as good. I tell you, we have the from t- Connor to Moj to Cause. We have Chris Marlowe, who I value as a friend, and we have some of the best around. I, Hell, really I, do. I like Chris Marlowe as a beach volleyball commentator. He's outstanding, He's all of them, incredible. every one of them. So, and I 100% agree. It's a shame that we can't. That more of Denver can't see yes. the work that you all are doing. It'll change. It's it, oh, it's the the wave is coming. I can yeah. feel it. But what Connor told me is, he said, "I I work really hard to criticize the play and not the player." Sure, he's like, "I don't get personal." That's a good way to put it. So, like, yeah. you know, this probably was not the right decision to make in the moment. Yeah. You can criticize the play, but not necessarily the player. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. You know, I, I'm very careful. I don't like to call, like, oh, that guy's such an idiot. Yeah, what a moron. No, it was maybe a bad play, sure. but he's not an idiot. He's an NBA player. He's, he's a, a human being. There's a reason being. he's there. There's yeah. a reason he's better than most. So, no, it's a very fine line. I think if you wake up every day, there's the other, you know, again, I think it's important to be critical as a fan, but then there's the ultra-critical who's never happy. Who wakes up with something to bitch about every day? Yeah, yeah. You can win games. You can be top of the Western Conference, and you're bitching about something. And I and I say to myself, how do you lead your life that way? Like you can't win the title every year. And what's it like to live in Boston? Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand that. Like you can't win every year. What do you do when you don't win? Yeah, it it seems exhausting. Uh, I I 100% agree with you. When you made the switch from local news, you were at News 4. Yeah. For what? I was there for a good 17, 18 years. And then this opportunity with Altitude uh-huh. came up. Trepidation? Very much so. Yeah. Oh, I, I in fact... The because first... the grind of local news. Yeah. You, you talk to any newscaster yeah. who does it for any substantial length of time, they go, I can't do this schedule anymore. Uh-huh. Yet, here you are working this schedule. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Yeah. But first, making that transition... It's a leap, man. I didn't leave local news because of the schedule or the work. I love no? the work. Okay. I love the grind. I love being places. It's you know just the way I'm, I'm operating. But I left local news because it became boring. Mm. Because every show became the same thing. The 5 and 6 became a preview of what was happening that night. The 10 o'clock, we got three minutes, and it just became highlights. Oh, so you're writing the template. And it, it, it became a formula. Yeah. And, and I don't like formulas. I, I want sure. to do something different every night. And you read it a teleprompter, and you're doing a formula every night. And I left local news. When it hit me, I share this story. It was 2014, and I came home for dinner in between shows, and my son was in high school, played basketball, high school basketball. And I showed him. I said, hey, dude. Look at what I'm going to show on the 10 o'clock news tonight. Look at this kid's dunk. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, dude, I've seen that. It's been on YouTube all day, all my friends. <laughs> I go, wait, you've seen this? Yeah. He goes, yeah, all my friends, we've seen it. I go, so why am I showing it tonight at 10 <laughs> if everybody's already seen it? And it just dawned on me, I'm not first to report or I'm, I'm not giving yeah. people stuff they – I'm giving people stuff they already have seen. Yeah. So I sort of changed my approach to the way I did sportscast. I started becoming more opinionated, offering commentary. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not necessary, mm. to be honest. And not to say that local news isn't necessary, because there still is a huge demographic that watches local news. 
But the youthful folks don't really watch anymore. And I don't want to be phased out of that crowd. That makes sense. You're not delivering any vital information for anyone who's under the age of someone who has kids who are teenagers. Yes. And, and I wanted to be part of it, it, you know the creativity. It, I lost creativity form because mm. it, it was too formulaic. That makes sense. You know, that, that reminds me of something that we share that... Like the place for local news, one of the things that that we both like is what Nine News does on weekend mornings. Sure, with the prep rally. Yeah, because that's a lot of tillable earth that isn't getting a ton. Nobody's of coverage. doing it. Uh, yeah. and and the way like everyone who has come through there too, yeah. from Susie Wargen yeah. to Taylor Temby to you know uh, Ariel Orsudo to now Scotty Gaines, who I think sure. is doing maybe the best out of all of them. Well, you got to go way back. There were people. I mean, Jesse Horn. I mean, um, well, first of all, the, the the godmother of all that was Marcia Neville back. Marcia Neville. Wow, she was doing There's that for Channel Four. So when I first got to Channel Four, we were still a big high school supporter. Yeah. High school sports and, and community sports. It's what we did. And then when Marshall, Marcia left, they phased it out. And I'll give Channel Nine credit as a competitor for so many years. Channel Nine's never let go of that rope. No, and they continue to push it. And um, for many, they don't care because most there's a lot of people that are transplants here. They don't care what Thunder Ridge does against uh, you know uh, uh, against Rocky Mountain. In, well, in Vic, I grew up game. here and I barely care. Exactly. I just like the way they do it. But there are a lot of people who do care, and yeah. that's where you form relationships with viewers. Yeah. And I think it's important. There's a void, and they fill it, and good for them. Yeah. It's amazing. So when you talk about the place for local news, I think the evolution of the way that they tell stories and the way they convey information is necessary and likely underway. But uh, And and I also think there's other areas of local news that, you know, I don't need to watch news to know what's happening. But for more in-depth stuff, I want to watch it. When the Marshall fires hit, I couldn't get enough about some of those tragic stories Mm -hmm. and what they're doing next. You watch it. When there's stuff that happens in your community... You want to know as much about that stuff sure. as possible. So we've been doing Vic Lombardi's Denver now for we. When this airs, we will have released our fifth episode. What is your goal for this project? Because this is sort of a, a moonlighting gig for you. Yeah, you know, it's a side hustle. It's sure. fun. But for anyone who hasn't listened, mm-hmm. what do you hope they walk away feeling or knowing or thinking? I guess number one, we have some really remarkable people that live in this town. Mm. remarkable people that are industry leaders nationwide that live in Denver. I mean, when I speak to Wendy Curtis, this isn't just, hey, a local comic joint. This is a place where comedians all over the globe aspire to go play. They want to work that room for a reason. So I I guess I want to flaunt Denver. Denver has some things to it. And and to be honest with you, right now it's an interview show, right? Like I'm interviewing people. I, I down the road, I would like it to be a little more historical as well. Sure. You know, the history of why is Lakeside Amusement Park still there? What was <laughs> going on? I'd love to do more historical stuff. It's hard to do it during the season for me because I don't have time to invest. No. But those are things that I would aspire to do down the road. Give some of the newbies in this town. Here's some history of this town. And some of the folks who grew up with it, they eat it up. They oh, love God, it. Oh, God, yeah. You know? Oh, wow, you're going to talk about that? I can't tell you, when we first debuted the show, a lot of people are like, ah, it's just another interview show. So, so many people sent me examples like, hey, can you do this? Oh, what about that? What? So I got so many people reach out to me with ideas. It sort of gave me a second gear. Yeah, like, it gives I you a charge. W- yeah, I can't wait to get to that point. It's hard, though. 
It's not easy, no. right? Because you're right. I it's don't have plenty to, of work, man. It's a lot of work. But man, um, I love talking about my hometown, and I love learning new things about the hometown too. I don't want it to focus on just what I know. Yeah. Like when I was driving around this neighborhood, I'm not going to tell you people where you live, but I grew up on the north side. Yeah, I don't know much of the rest of Denver. Yeah, we're, as well we're as east I central should. Denver. Yeah, I don't know the rest of Denver as well as I should. I wanted to get to know it. Yeah. I want to know the history here. Sure. When I sat down with Adam. Adam Kane, yeah, 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 and you know he grew up near here, and he gave me the lay of the land about how he grew up here. I see, like, wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff that I aspire to learn. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal, and that's I, I love this town. I don't, I, I hesitate to say as much as you. Well, but, of course you do. I mean, I mean, I don't own the copyright or trademarks on love, on affection for Denver. sure. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. But you you express it in a in a public way that is is unmatched or is is matched by few. Yeah, let's put it that way. So that's why it's been a pleasure to get hooked up with you on yeah. this project. And like Nate was right because yeah, it's it's flown and we got a lot more to do. Like, yeah, we're 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 in. The top of the first inning here. Yeah, on I really show. look forward to doing these things. I really yeah. do. I like every interview we've done so far. It's, it's been great. It's it's like, and the beauty of it too. It, it, you always help uh, help me so much because you always say, "Can I give you some background?" And I love the background. But my favorite part about it is just going in and not having any background <laughs> sure. and talking. Now I wish I had some in certain moments, but I really enjoy. Not that I don't like to put the work in. Mm-hmm. I enjoy interviews that take you to places you don't know they're going. Right. That's that's the old Larry King model. Sure, you remember Larry King? Sure, uh, famously didn't prep for interviews. He, he now, had, I, I think prep's important, but I don't think you could push an interview to where you want to push. No, it. no, agreed. Yeah. no, you have to be very zen about it. Yeah. but I, I like having things in my hip pocket, like places to go mm-hmm. if we stall out. Right, exactly that's where right. prep becomes important. Yeah, but Larry King would just sort of. Go out there and basically yeah. play jazz. But he was also a bulk interviewer. He did oh, so God. many. Could you imagine? Yeah, yeah. the the sheer volume of yeah. work associated with that sort yeah. of precludes. He was the Costco of interviews, dude. <laughs> he was, in fact, yeah. the Costco of interviews, yeah. which is why his all sort of had a samey kind of rhythm. Exactly. But uh, I mean, that's that's interview technique. How much more of this do you have in you in sports? I don't know. Every year, um, I'm insecure like everybody else in this business. When my contract comes up, I'm always like, God, I, uh, I need to resign. I, I got to get my new contract. I, uh, what, what am I going to do? I don't need to do this, thankfully. I've been privileged, and, I, and, and thank, thank God um, I've been blessed. I don't need to do this anymore, but I can't imagine life without it uh, because I don't know what I would do. That's I, I How would you fill the days? Yeah. I don't know what I'd do. My and, and and that's why I have a soft spot for athletes who retire, because people don't understand. You fall off a cliff there. Mm-hmm. You're an athlete, and it's not just doing things. It's the adrenaline. It's the you wake up in the morning. What am I aspiring to do? What's my goal? Yeah. Oh, go play golf. I don't know how people do that. I don't know how people just <laughs> like retire and now they they just go play. I I get so bored with that after two days. I have to have some creative like ability. a purpose. Not just a purpose, but I want to create. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to give something that elicits a response. Vic, what you're talking about is creative fulfillment. Yes. Which is why I think you'll you'll hear accountants and whoever be like, yeah, well, on the side, I have this Etsy store, right? Or I do woodworking. Everyone wants to be creatively fulfilled, and some people just do it for a larger audience. Some people are just, you know, some people are scrapbooking. But that's Mm -hmm. creative fulfillment, Mm -hmm. right? So with athletes in particular, it's interesting. Because their career ends at, what, 30? Yeah. So some 25, if you're lucky, it's 40. 
you got a whole lot of life ahead mm-hmm. of you at that point. Yeah. That's why you hear so many lottery winners end up miserable. And a lot of them end up bankrupt. Yeah. Because be- they don't know what happens there. See, that's why I got like, look at Peyton Manning. Yeah. All right. So he, he did everything he things, could. Yeah. He, he did everything he could during his career to focus on football. As soon as his career ends, is there something he's not doing? <laughs> Good question. So all of that work ethic that he applied to football, all of that intel, he's applying to other stuff. And that's him. That's yeah. who he is. Which, which is fascinating, too, that you can sort of take that energy that you apply into football and apply it in so many different directions. Yeah. Not everyone is able to transfer it that sort of flawlessly the way Peyton has. People have tried, but it doesn't it's, work. It's not easy it either. Yeah. Because like, there's a rhythm to football, and there's a different rhythm to the different things that he's doing. Sure. And so to apply that energy in the same way yeah. is fascinating. And know your limits, too. Uh, that's a very rare trait. Humility in our business is yeah. far... It's hard to come by, right? Humility is a tough one. But he understood, too. Why don't you go on a TV and be an analyst? He's not good at criticizing. He doesn't no, like not. it. He doesn't want to criticize people in his business. So he sort of stayed away from that. He'll do it occasionally. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like pulling that card. Yeah. He's done other stuff, and it's just as good. Yeah, 100%. Well, Vic, this is the part on the show where we do plugs. Okay. Where can people find you? Um, they can find me in the mornings on Altitude Sports Radio 92.5, every morning 7 to 10. Uh, they can find me uh, before and after every Nuggets game. Uh, and they can find me on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter at, uh, at Vic Lombardi. And if you can't find me there, I'm usually in North Denver at my parents' house hanging out. <laughs> ah, well, I, I'm assuming that's not for the public, though. Well, if you're in North Denver, come on by. You'll find <laughs> us. Most of North Denver knows where we hang. Well, and you left out one very important one, Vic Lombardi's Denver. That's right. Part of the Mile High Life Network. That's exactly So right. go to milehighlife.com. You can find that show. You can find my show, Happy Friday, as well. I'm going to hone in on the plug since mm-hmm. this is the ninth anniversary. Please do. Um, but and congratulations on nine years, buddy. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a real joy because I get to, like you with Vic Lombardi's Denver, I get to basically interview people I find interesting. And it's been a pleasure getting to hook up yeah. with you and work with you. And man, like whatever we do together, whatever you do on your own, I wish you nothing but continued success. Thank you very much, John. It means a lot. And that wraps up the nine-year anniversary of the John of All Trades podcast with Vic Lombardi, one of my favorite collaborators, someone whose show I adore working on. You just heard all the plugs. Be sure to get after it on Mile High Life. That's where all the best pods are. MileHighLife.com. Happy Friday. Vic Lombardi's Denver. All the other shows on that network. You can follow me on social. J-O-A-T pod is the handle. That's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Episode previews, when they're there, go up on Mondays on Facebook only. Episodes drop on Wednesdays. So listen on your favorite podcatcher, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Audible, Pandora, wherever you get your pods. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes come directly to you as soon as they're loaded. I'm out of here this week. As I said, there's going to be some changes here around the John of All Trades podcast. You'll see a blog post coming up next week detailing that, talking about my plan going forward, what you can expect, and more expressions of gratitude. It's been nine years. I cannot thank you enough for listening to this show. I cannot thank the people in my life who provide me the space and support to do this show. My God. I get to live my best life, and it's because of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, wherever you are, for allowing me to basically get paid to do Wayne's World. That's the way I think of this. That is such a seminal line in that movie, and something I feel deeply in my core. So wherever you are, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're creatively fulfilled. I hope you're taking care of yourself, taking care of others. And until I hear you again, I mean this sincerely. I adore you. Say goodnight, Grace.
That's good, Johnny. 